Welcome, Jared, to our first actual live computer vision decoded episode. Um, let me just jump you in there. We are here post Apple keynote showing off the new iPhone 14, 14 Pro. Uh, looks like they had a, they had a new, a whole new watch and a and an upgraded AirPods. Uh, and so I, I thought this was a perfect opportunity for us to do another computer vision decoded episode where we can talk about the iPhone upgrades uh, and what they mean for computer vision and uh, get your take on it, Jared. And also, I mean, we should be doing this for Samsung. We should be doing this for Google as well. But to be honest, uh, most of the apps right now for photogrammetry and things are built on Apple. So it's kind of the most important platform currently. Um, and I know they may be playing some catch up to what you see on Samsung. So like 48 megapixels, that's not new to the phones, but we'll talk about that today. So welcome, Jared. First Thanks. off, Jared, I have a question for you. Is, is an iPhone your daily driver at home? Are you using an iPhone every day? Are you a fanboy? Uh, I, I do not. I have an Android phone. It's a Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I'm excited to hear that because, uh, <laughs> because I use, I use a windows PC. Uh, I mean, I'm top on the side. You can all see when I share my screen today, it is a windows machine. I do have a Mac behind me for when I need it for lap traveling, but, uh, we are both not exactly Apple fanboys, but full transparency. I use an iPhone every day. I also use AirPods and I'm in the ecosystem at home completely. Um, but when it comes to actual engineering, it's not the most useful platform. So, but great for capturing. So, uh, okay. So I'm going to share my screen. So if you're listening to this podcast, I do suggest tuning in to the, to the live screen recording, which will be on our YouTube channel. So everything goes on the every point YouTube channel. So you can just search on YouTube for every point and find us or just type in computer vision decoded and you will find this episode in the next day or so and have all the visuals. Uh, but just know we'll try to talk about what we're looking at and the pictures basically just showing photos that I grabbed from the live keynote event on my Twitter account here. I put it just as an easy way for us to kind of go through the stream. Uh, so, um, so let's just jump into this, Jared. Uh, first off was the watch. I'm just going to really kind of gloss over the non-camera specific hardware, but um, I I just noticed that they, they, they spent a lot of time talking about safety and uh, features for health. And I thought that was, that was kind of an interesting ad. Um, you can go watch this uh, keynote if you want the replay, but um was there any features that I don't know, Jerry, did you watch the whole thing through? Is there any, anything that excited you about the watch that I don't know, that would excite you? I, I always felt like it'd be a fun, it's just an easy way to trigger images, things like that remotely. But, uh, I don't that really crosses over into computer vision at all. Yeah. Not a lot of computer vision. Um, I mean, what excited me just to sort of in general is just, you know, being in computer vision where the camera is the main sensor that I leverage, you know, I like just sensors in general, you know, and so one of the things they talked about was, okay, the better, you know, crash detection. So in, in order mm -hmm. to support that, they had the, um, upgraded gyroscope in there. It sounded like I had like a faster, uh, uh sampling, uh, time as well as putting in, um, the high, the high acceleration, 
you know, like a high G-force uh, accelerometer to, to detect those uh, Strogner magnitude accelerations. So from that, I mean, am I going to use that in computer vision application? Not necessarily. But I like this notion, though, of embedding additional sensors in these devices so that they have a better, no you know, they have better knowledge about their environment. Because um, mm -hmm. you can imagine as we start, you know, marching toward uh, more and more augmented reality uh, applications, having all these different peripherals with their own sensors and, and their own understanding uh, of the environment around them is just going to make the entire experience better. Uh, I can imagine, imagine one day perhaps you had a watch and an iPhone, <laughs> they could work in tandem to refine your AR kit motion. I mean, can you imagine if you had them on the same hand holding the phone? <laughs> And, you know, like, here we go. There you got your watch. Oh, yep. See there on my fanboy. Got my watch. I got my phone. <laughs> you can use each other's uh, accelerometer. Or perhaps the new one has a better accelerometer. You have an older iPhone. Can you imagine you can somehow detect that? Uh, mm -hmm. It would be interesting. Way yeah. to go. All right. So, yeah, moving on. They also had the Ultra, which I thought that was very interesting addition. For me, uh, I, I'm a former outdoor athlete i used, i still do some running but more in a city um but i have aspirations when my kids get a little older of getting back out there running off in the the wilderness and getting uh beyond the gps or sorry G, not the gps beyond the the cell phone reception i do like that safety component so that, i thought that was an interesting addition as well um to to the watch lineup just three the new GPS, the new band, uh, this L1 plus L5 GPS. Mm -hmm. um, did you, maybe I missed this. Do you know if that was added in the iPhone 12 or 14 Pro? I'm saying 12. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. um, again, I think that would be something interesting because the GPS on an iPhone is not the best. Mm -hmm. It's not survey grade by any means uh, but not that we're using gps data to really mark where your photos were taken to do a, a a better 3d reconstruction perhaps but i think it would just be an interesting to place perhaps your images of a scan of something using 3d you know like photogrammetry to better place that on the earth post scan yeah so that 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 excited me when i saw the they made improvements to GPS, and uh, I'll have to check. Maybe that made it in the iPhone. So, so on my screen here, I'm just showing the newest watch as well. Yeah, so lots, lots of improvements for outdoor athletes. Brighter screen. That's something I always like, um, which we'll get into with the iPhone. Uh, so, gloss in the AirPods. Do you own a pair of AirPods, Jared? I do not. Yeah, once you get a pair, you can't go back. But if you don't have an iPhone, it makes absolutely no sense. So, but again, I like this to have an H2 chip, improved connectivity with your iPhone. So uh, I've just seen more and more of these chips being placed in all sorts of peripherals they have. Um, better tracking. So now you can track your AirPods. If I bring up the right picture of that, it'll track your AirPods to their exact location. Now, matter of fact, lost an AirPod this week. Took two days to find it. And it was, lo and behold, in the room I, I'm in every day, just kind of like fell behind my bedstand. I just never spotted it. Uh, but uh, I know that this functionality is leading towards perhaps some sort of VR, AR kind of thing where if you can track where everything is to a very high precision, 
you can have a better immersive experience. So yeah, and this is and what's cool here is because it's it's Apple in the Apple ecosystem that they're sort of control that whole you know hardware and software lineup. You know they're able to do things in hardware that you couldn't do in software. So for instance, here mm -hmm. like you know using. Um, I forget what it's like, but yeah, like the U1 chip, you know, which, you know, can communicate high frequency between dev two devices and figure out very accurately what, you know, the relative pose or positioning is between those two devices, you know, and so a lot of times, you know, I think in computer vision, I'm, when I'm computing the pose or position of a camera, I'm doing it through purely visual means. So I'm capturing that image and I'm using software to figure out, well, hey, how is my camera related to my scene based on this, you know, the, the, the software processing of that image. Whereas here, you know, when you have a hardware chip that can do some of that for you, essentially for free, um, that's a, that's a really an amazing you know tool to have in your toolbox mm -hmm. you know, when, when you're Apple and you can do things in hardware or software, um, or what yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, seeing all those uh, hardware things, you know, I, I think, yeah, they're doing some interesting things there, connecting the hardware together. Uh, computer vision, I have to track where I left my things with the camera. I don't all kinds of things. Um, just having that smart talking. Um, it. it it will be interesting where this all this all leads, uh, and I know these chips aren't cheap. I'm guessing that they oops, spent some money on these, so you know they're not just putting that in for a small feature. I'm assuming. Um, all right, so let's get into where I probably, if anyone's going to tune into, um, it was about the iPhones, and I'm just going to start with the the base iPhone, which I mean if we're kidding ourselves it's just it's not even a base anymore this is a pretty full featured iphone they have the se as well um but before we get into the iphone uh i just wanted to point out that this room was gigantic so obviously they were uh doing some uh interesting led screen backgrounds or something so that the production value of this was quite amazing that's they had a zoomed out picture of her and i was like oh my goodness how how big of a room did they have for this filming? Um, which is crazy. They can make it look like she's that in the actual room, but we all know they probably hid a, some seam line. I can see by mouse here that some seam line right here where like the actual floor turned into a digital project projection. And that was uh that was pretty cool. Oh my gosh, we have Angels. We have a really uh we have someone who joined in who knows a thing or two about tech as well. So looks like a few people are joining in. Um so what excited you about the iPhone 14, if anything? I know you're uh, anything here you saw make you want to switch from your Android to an iPhone? I mean, nothing specifically in this presentation. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I use an iPhone for software development. You know, we're testing the latest, uh, you know, on-device reconstruction capabilities or you know, computer yeah. vision applications. But, but yeah, nothing here. Uh, I mean, things intrigued me, um, but nothing was like, okay, I got to immediately switch today. Um, yeah. And if we're, yeah, we should point out the fact that you, it's not that you don't have an iPhone to use. We get you an iPhone at work to, to develop on. Yep. You could easily just use that. It's an unlocked version, yet you choose to continuously use a two year old iPhone or Android. So, <laughs> well, yep. 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 All right. And uh, it's obvious that I would get a black, uh, but I do like the, I don't understand why there's more colors for the iPhone 14 than the, the new version, but. Yeah. So here's a few different things um, about the stats here that they had showed up. Again, you have HDR images, a lot of good color, bright screen. Um, I think we can talk about the bigger screen, but why would I care about a bright screen, Jared? 
Well, bright screens if you're outside trying to yeah. uh, trying to capture imagery and make sure that your what you've captured looks good and uh, meets what, yeah. you, what you need. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like it's essential when you're outside to be able to see what the heck you're doing. Um, I have a a what do you call it a camera a camera monitor for my like high end film camera. And I think it brightens out to 800 nits. And then I have to put a sun shield on top just so I can see the thing outside. Um, and I feel like that's silly. I should just got a brighter one. But um, let's see here. Let's see, here we go. It says it's weird that Apple can use to do these kind of produce videos while having uh, press and analysts in person. Uh, yeah, I we could also talk about that for a minute. They invited everyone, yet they still managed to do this like epic film release um it's like the most expensive infomercial of the year that happens uh i think that is silly do we think they're going to go back to the to the the main stage that they've that they've built right before they they had covid to use um we'll see um and someone else said since uh again this is going to be a podcast later but since we did a live stream we do have people asking questions or chiming in um Wait until next release day for Apple Reality Smart Glasses. Um, yeah, I hope we get a release in October or something before the end of the year. I still don't know if it's happening this year, but we'll see. Um, all right, so switching back to the iPhone, the, I noticed that they have these A15 Bionic that added another core. So they went from four to five core processing, just makes it faster, snappier, but they always have a dedicated image signal processor. Jared, why would they do that? Because <laughs> when you take photo, you know, take photos, you got to do something with all that pixel data. Yeah, make sense of it and, and make those photos look good. So you're always my... on your on your chip. You're always going to have all different kinds of you know processing. You know, you have like your CPU, the GPU, the neural engine, and then that image processor, image signal processor. And so each yeah. of those, that's you know, specialized algorithms written in hardware. Um, you know, or at least, you know, hardware that's tailored toward those different applications, whether it's, you know, the graphics or the image, you know, or whether you're doing some machine learning. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, someone pointed out, it said weird that the 14 is last year's processor. Well, this yeah. year gets the new processor, but I will point out if I bring up the Apple website, they did something different because it says a 15. We need to probably bump this up. It says A15 Bionic with five core GPU versus an A15 Bionic chip with four core GPU. So oh, they stuffed another core in there, but I mean, it's essentially last year's processor. It's kind of like an upgrade. So as I think of like the NVIDIA RTX graphics card in my PC, they do like a, I have like a, there's like a 3080 and then a 3080 Ti where they just bump the specs, but it's essentially the same. Um, so it looks like they did a, a, a bump there. Um, but so, okay. So they talked about cameras. This is why I thought you would be really good to have on here as well. It says, how, okay. So I want to ask one more question while I'm here. How many of the camera sensors are 48 megapixels? Or are they still 20 meg, 12 megapixels? We'll get to that, Martin. That's a good question. Just know on the on the 14, the non-pro, there's no 48 megapixels. You got to upgrade to the pro version. They always hold out. Uh, that and I was really hoping that they'd add lidar to this camera, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, just because that that would be intriguing. But can you break down? So, for anyone who's never been on a computer vision decoded episode or listened to one, uh, Jared he's a actual PhD computer vision expert in three D reconstruction. He's he's grinning there. I don't know, smirking. 
but he knows a lot about cameras. He knows a lot about 3D reconstruction. He doesn't know everything about computer vision because it's a pretty broad, you know, you know, like so much about, you know, it's like a doctor of other things. They only know so much in their field and he specialized in 3D. But when it comes to main cameras, it's this larger sensor. So for people who are not camera people, why do I care about the sensor size? Yeah, so sensor size. So the process of capturing a photo, it's all about capturing light. You know, and so when I want to um, take that photo, the more light that I'm able to capture, the higher quality that photo is going to be. So if I have a really, really, really tiny image sensor, there's very, there's a very small amount of light that's going to come in and actually hit that sensor, which then means my photo might have some more noise in it. It's going to ha- it's, the, the overall quality is not going to be as good compared to a much larger sensor physically. You know, there's more light, there's mm-hmm. more photons, individual photons hitting that sensor. And so it's able to get a better, um, in representation of of what it is that it's looking at. So, you know, you can think about in environments where you have, you know, really bright uh, things and really dark things, you know, you have shadows as well as, you know, like the sunlight, um, being able to capture more lights can give you a better overall representation. Uh, but where it really, really pays off is in low light environments. So you think if you're indoors, you have some dim lighting, there's not a lot of light in the scene to begin with. And so you want to have that larger sensor with those larger pixels uh, to capture all of that available light or as much of that light as you can to give that, you know, nice sort of noise free image. All right. So then we have this next, uh, I just kept on my screen. Uh, so again, if you're on the podcast, I have a picture of the 12 megapixel main camera from the iPhone with some stats. It says first stats, larger sensor, really not a stat, but a fact, I guess. Then it says 1.9. What does uh, that mean? Mic- some micrometer. Micrometer. Micrometers. See, I'm not, I'm not, I, it's, that's in a measure. I'm not used to using micrometer pixels. So, uh, so that's like the pixel pitch. Again, that's something that, can you explain like what what why do we care about the size of a pixel? What does that translate to someone taking photos or wanting to capture something? Yeah, so that that that's similar. It, it ties sort of hand in hand um, with that larger sensor. So what Apple's saying here is they've kept the resolution the same. So there's still 12 megapixels, so 12 million pixels that make up um, that make up that sensor. Um, it's just that the overall sensor has gotten bigger. So the overall pixels that make up that sensor have also gotten bigger. And so now they're saying it's 1.9 microns uh, per pixel, meaning that each pixel could then capture more light compared to a sensor that was only 1.7 microns or 1.5 microns, things like okay. that. Okay. And then the aperture is like when you look at a fixed camera, right? You can see fixed focal length. That's what we're seeing here, fixed focal length. And then there's some that has variable focal length. This is fixed, correct? This, with the this is no. That's the, so the aperture. So here that with the, with the f number. Yeah, sometimes f in computer vision refers to focal length. In okay. this case, they're talking about yeah the aperture, which is the size of the opening, um, or the effective size of the opening at the front of that lens. So this also controls how much light enters that sensor. So in here, okay. smaller numbers let in more light, um, and so it's nice to see. You know, whenever a new smartphone comes out, to see that F number, that F in this case, F 1.5, the lower that number is, the more light it's able to pass through the lens to hit the sensor. And so you get that higher quality photo. Gotcha. Okay. So you were looking for, is there like a theoretical limit? Is like, is one the lowest it can go? Or is that something you know about? Uh, I, okay. I don't know if there's a theoretical limit. Um, I think there, I think, 
I think some <laughs> lens manufacturers have gone lower. I, for, for some reason, I think like Canon, you know, or somebody, you know, might have made like an F, you know, 0 0.9 or an F 0 0.8 or something, something that's, you know, really low. But a lot of times, if you get to like F 1.2, that's a really, you know, that's a really wide lens. Okay. Um, that's letting a lot of through the light. Um, okay. well, typically, yeah, you might see an F 1.8, um, you know, or, yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay. And I'll even see F two something. Yeah. So what's what's sensor shift OIS? Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, this yeah. is an Apple thing. No, this so that this this is uh so sort of this common, you know, uh camera technology. So this is saying it's sensor shift, sensor shift, optical image stabilization. So that's the OIS. And so um this is all about trying to give you you know, more blur-free imagery. So there's, there's a few different ways you can try to stabilize the imagery. So you imagine you're holding your phone and you do your best to hold that phone still, but your hand, there's gonna be some small shake, some small tremor, um, can be big shake, you know, if you're, you know, mm -hmm. you know, moving vehicle or you're walking or whatever, but you know, that phone's gonna be moving around. And so there's a few different ways you can try to stabilize that footage. Um, and sometimes you'll use a combination of ways. Um, one way is to do it purely through software, digitally. Um, and so in, in that technique, a lot of times what happens is when you're taking a photo or taking a video, the software will artificially crop uh, that image or crop that video. So a lot of times you'll see this, especially with like with video from recording, mm -hmm. you know, a video sequence, that video will be cropped and the, the region of the video that's cropped will change from frame to frame to try to compensate for, oh, this frame, you, you know, the camera got bumped and was looking a little too high. Oh, and the next frame, the camera's bumped and was looking a little too low. You know, yeah. that the crop region will change from frame to frame. So that's one way to do it through software. Um, but that won't sort of improve. Like if you actually, you know, really bumped that camera you know, you, you'll see some motion blur. You can't, it, it's a, it can be hard to compensate for motion blur purely through software. And so that's where you then turn to hardware techniques. So in hardware, um, if you had a, uh, a DSLR or some other mirrorless camera, um, you know, where, where you actually have a physical lens that's attached to the camera body, sometimes you might see uh, optical image stabilization done through uh, the lens. And so there's mm -hmm. actually um, you know, motors inside of the lens that are going to shift the lenses, the lens elements up and down to bend the light in different ways to compensate for the motion. So if all of a sudden I, you know, my, my hand shakes and the camera looks slightly down, well, then that lens element can, you know, shift in a different direction to then bend the light to have it then go back up. And so it compensates for that motion. Um, what okay. Apple's done here, and other camera manufacturers do this too, is instead of moving the moving the lens elements, they're actually moving the sensor. So the lens stays fixed, but then that rectangular sensor that's capturing the light, that sensor can move up and down and left uh, and, okay. and move around to compensate. So as, as your hand shakes, that sensor can move really, really, really fast to try to make up for any any motion that you do. So what that just, that just gives you, both for your photos and your video, can give you much clearer, uh, less blur, um, okay. and just higher quality. So this isn't a this isn't a new addition actually to Apple, no. uh, but I do remember it was a, I don't know if it was two years ago they added the, the the optical image stabilization to the actual pro level phone. So I think it's kind of made its way down into the non pro phone as well. Yeah. So that that's 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 good to hear. I mean, um, uh, there's a huge difference when I'm walking around. I don't. This says main camera. I don't know if I got a, a capture of all the different cameras, but I I do know like the ultra wide doesn't always doesn't have it or it feels always shakier. So 
-hmm. That might be also because they're kind of using the maximum of that ultra-wide well. So uh, they also said 49% low-light improvement. So that's, I bet you a lot of that, a lot of that like bigger, you know, the, the big aperture, the bigger sensor size, the all those things we just talked about kind of lead to exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. Low-light. And, and, and that's a very... <laughs> As the Apple goes, 49% low light improvement. Well, that's not like a metric. So is that just visually less noise in the low light improvement? Is that getting more detail? I don't know, but we'll go with it. Um, And some of that may be, yeah, so both, you know, so hopefully some of that, you know, I I think, yeah, would be from the hardware. You know, so having that larger sensor is going to, you know, definitely help you with that low light performance. Yeah. You know, so that's that's probably where a bunch of it's coming from. I also heard, and maybe, maybe this is um, somewhere in your tweets, but I also heard Apple talking about the way they, they redid their... Um, the photonic engine. Is that what we're going to go to? Yes. 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 The photonic engine. So changing, changing around the order in which they do the processing steps um, for, for that imagery. So one of the things Apple was talking about was saying, well, hey, to enable that, you know, their you know, better HDR, just their, their better image quality, you know, they can take a burst of photos at different exposure levels and then fuse those all together into a single result using their, you know, machine learning algorithms. Um, and so what I heard Apple say was, well, previously they did that on, you know, the compressed images. So images that have already sort of been processed uh, yeah. using their image processing um, techniques, whereas now they're running that on the uncompressed sort of sounds like they're like the raw photos. And so that to me got, I'm excited about that um, because yeah, when you, when you turn a lot of times to that raw data and do your uh, machine learning or do analysis with that raw data, you know, it helps to give you kind of better control over the entire process because otherwise, if I first am taking like six photos at different exposures and then processing them, processing them each independently, you know, I, I may be introducing artifacts or different biases, you know, they're like into each of those photos that then when I try to now do a single operation that combines all six, you know, now I'm trying to process already pre-processed data, uh, you know, and I've, I may have lost things along the way, whereas going back to that raw data source and saying, okay, here's all the raw data from those different exposures. Let's bring that together um, yeah. to get that better result. Yeah. Oh, well, so this kind of goes into someone who also commented on this live stream, uh, Martin as well, from AEC Magazine. I'd suggest if you like AEC, go into there. But anyways, this has gone a bit crazy with AI enhancements to images, a lot of in-camera processing. Yep. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yep. Uh, part of that is, my, my, you know, we all know is, the camera on an iPhone, this is even a bigger one on my on my iPhone 13. It's a bigger lens we got here, but you can only get away with so much versus a, a mirrorless camera, DSLR, where you got just bigger piece of glass, bigger sensor. So you have to rely on computational photography, uh, which is very much in that computer vision stack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. So they're getting better, better images. I bet you that five core processor part of that maybe that processing bump um is is um you know being able to do this faster so although it's last year's chip and then again so just uh we also have your enhancements are unavoidable yep. one thing i always love is when people are saying what's a better camera and they have like the samsung versus iphone versus you know google pixel dual or whatever we see it's almost it's almost like we're not none of them are seeing the raw photo taken from the camera. It's 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 like which 
which AI did the best job and which AI do you like the best because yeah. it yeah. can bias towards warm colors, sharper images, more natural, less natural. Um, yeah. 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 So. Because yeah. yeah, photography, it's such a subjective process, you know, because it's you're, you're, you're not just like you said there, you know, it's like you, you could approach it as a pure sensor problem and say, oh, my, my goal is just to count the number of photons that hit this, you know, rectangular region in space, you know, but then no, okay, not many humans care about that. You know, I don't care about photon counts uh, on a pixel. You know, I, I want to see a nice looking image. Um, and so that, that process of, well, how do you map those photon counts to actual a nice looking photo? That's where some of that, some of that subjective nature comes in. Mm -hmm. you know? And so even in, you know, prior to these AI, uh, you know, algorithms that are doing this processing, you know, you had humans who were hand tuning all of the different, you know, the, the mapping functions saying, okay, well, hey, I have these, you know, photon counts coming in, how am I gonna do the tone mapping curves? You know, how do I prioritize highlights and shadows? You know, and so you have all these different things that go into sort of tuning the appearance of that final photo. Um, yeah. So what, what Apple's doing now is they're saying, well, hey, we can we can train you know machine learning algorithms to do some of that better because we can adapt you know those tone mapping curves, we can adapt the dynamic contrast, we can you know you know adapt the appearance of the photo based on the content of it. So if I'm looking at clouds, if I'm looking at landscape, if I'm looking at a portrait, if I'm looking at indoors, we can have different sort of outputs or different uh, mapping functions to alter the appearance of that photo based on the content that it contains. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's a lot of people behind this making decisions that end up yeah. what, it, what it looks like um, in the end here. Oh, yeah. So see, everyone's competing on software. So who has, who has the best set of engineers in the background doing exactly as you described? Yep. Um, yeah. It says, here we go. Cameras have become far more computational software defined every generation, which is yes. so true. Yeah, because and because it's so easy to make advancements in that way. You know, altering uh, camera hardware technology. You know, hardware is much much more difficult to change because you have there's so much investment to actually build these physical sensors, test them, develop them, make mm -hmm. them smaller and smaller and smaller, fit even more um, pixels onto that sensor. That gets increasingly more difficult. Whereas alternatively, it's much easier to write software, um, train better machine learning models that can make your photos you know, look nicer in various ways, uh, without needing that, that yeah. raw, that raw hardware. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, move it along to action mode. So action mode, as you were talking about image stabilization, yep. uh, optic optically, this I'm guessing is software. We're getting, yes. uh, yeah, we're, we're just cropping the image. Um, just like you see on a GoPro, you can get like stabilized or destabilized um, on all these action cams. Uh, my question is, when are people are just going to strap the newest iPhones to their helmets <laughs> and, and no longer have to buy GoPros? This is a big stab at that whole um, action sports cameras. So uh, it might be a game set match for them or it might just... We might find out this isn't as good. We'll see. I know DJI has a perhaps an Action 3 camera coming out soon. So it'd be, be interesting to do a bake-off of which which one works best. And uh, I, I can guarantee you I will get the, at least the Pro model iPhone and be testing the stabilization. See see how it affects the 3D reconstruction. Do you, do you have, does it warp the image, you think, or is it just cropping the image, do you suspect? It's, it's hard to say. Different... Um... 
image the image stabilization algorithms work in different ways. Yeah, so the, not, the naive way would just be to crop it. Um, but then one of the effects, though, um, that you get a lot of times uh, with video is rolling shutter artifacts. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's just because the sensor, it can't physically read out all of the pixels at the same time. And so it reads them really quickly, row by row. But what that means is if that camera is moving, your top row of pixels was taken at a different point in space than the bottom row because it just the camera took a longer amount of time to get to those bottom pixels than the top. And so you sort of get this, you know, slanted effect, you know, where if the camera's moving quickly, things can be slanted. And so a lot of um, image stabilization algorithms will try to correct for that. So it might try to figure out, well, hey, how quickly is the phone moving, in which direction, you know, and can use that then to sort of artificially, you know, untilt the photo to make those straight lines straight again, mm -hmm. as opposed to being sideways. So it's very possible that Apple here is doing some of that, um, you know, both both cropping the photo as well as slightly warping it um, to correct for, correct for that rolling shutter. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, and, and again, you need just a lot of computational hardware yep. to, to to pull that off. And I don't know. They didn't talk about is this a live turn on, live turn off? Is this a post process has to process for a few seconds um whatever it is i'm sure it's not like minutes of waiting um no, I, and, I, and, and there's pros and cons to it too that'll be interesting to play play with it once it comes out because like if you try to do it you know in real time as much as possible there are some shortcomings there you know because mm -hmm. like if, if you allow yourself some delay in that process and say okay well i'm not going to try to stabilize you know the, the video footage you know, until I've, you know, gotten at least a second into it. Because what you can do is that you can generate better, smoother curves, you know, a smoother path yeah. to that video footage, you know, when you have all of it available, or at least some buffer. You know, so what Apple could do is maybe you turn on that action, you know, mode, and then the video that you see is delayed by um, several frames. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. It, see it could be just short enough you don't even notice it when yeah. you're filming, but enough for them to get away with it. Yeah. Um. All right, and then so less with computer vision, but just they had added a whole entire safety with GPS again. I think this is pretty cool. It was impressive. Yeah, what they were able to do. I like the key, the key prompts. I don't I don't think I got a photo of that, but instead of having to type out like I'm in trouble, there's a bunch of prompts that runs you through because who knows you could be pinned down or I don't know not have much uh, brain power left to be able to type things out. Um, but, but, yeah, getting with a satellite from such a small device. That's just, yeah. I yeah. Don't, again, I'm not a hardware guy, but that's just, that's impressive to think about, you know, a phone, you know, yeah. in your pocket communicating with a satellite, you know, yeah. you up there. It's so cool. And not spend like, you know, satellite phones have been around for a long time, but yep. very, very, yep. very, very expensive. Um, and so 800 bucks, $899 for the, the larger one starting. I must, must say this is starting because. You can get a bigger, bigger, um, bigger storage space. Uh, I always recommend at least going up one tier of storage space, unless you just don't really take pictures. But this crew probably will that they're listening in. Um, I know you can always put things on the cloud as well, but I always tend to find that like I'm taking video, things like that. It, it, it's this video is becoming 4K, 30 frames or fat, you know, higher. You're you put a lot of a lot of storage on. You need to store a lot of files files on your computer. Or on your phone for a while before you get uploaded. So, yeah. So that's the iPhone 14. We got a uh, larger version as well for people who want that bigger screen, which I personally don't like. <laughs> <laughs> it's too big of a phone to hold. So, 
be what it is. So, okay, so let's get to the the phone. Oh, go ahead. You're going to say something. I was gonna say, I was, one of the things I just remembered, you, you showed up that slide, though, I was just thinking about, yeah, with the iPhone 14, one of the things they did just casually mention in there was just, oh, they said improved thermal performance. Now, again, I don't know what that means. You know, was that a 2% in performance, you know, increase <laughs> or a 10%? But I just, I'm excited, you know, anytime, um, you know, if Apple improves the thermal performance of the device, so meaning that, hey, it's the, the phone... Uh, isn't going to overheat as quickly, you know, that's a huge benefit. Because a lot of times if I'm out there using, you know, my iPhone or any phone, you know, trying to uh, both, you know, capture, you know, video as well as do some on-device processing and I'm outside and the sun's shining, you know, that phone can quickly overheat, you know, and then my processing starts getting throttled. So I see that I saw that a lot of times with uh, ARKit. If I'm trying to capture an ARKit session and do some AR processing, um, you know, by default, that ARKit session is going to try to run at 60 frames per second. But then as that phone overheats, that, you know, that 60 frame per second ARKit session then jumps down to 30 frames per second, then down to 20. And so it gets, you know, this throttled performance uh, as the phone's overheating. So seeing that yeah. improvement there was was exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, and as we've learned, as that throttling can really reduce the, even the user experience yeah. because your phone will feel laggy. Um, so... Uh, you're like, oh, is it capturing enough frames? Just people like responsive. Yep. So, yep. all right. So the here was the main event for at least me and you it was <laughs> the third, fourth, the 14 Pro lineup. They added, uh, what did they call this guy? Oh, uh, something island. Dynamic island. <laughs> so uh, I, I would love, love to have been on the naming of that little feature here and it's like a moving little black island where they hide the sensors really well um i'm just wondering if someone is watching like an old snl skit of the lonely island songs and thought oh we should call it dynamic island i don't know but uh yeah here it is in several different ways i thought it was very interesting they had the astros or not astros the athletics in the their little sports thing and not the giants being a giants fan lifelong, but, uh, that's, that's the team they chose from the Bay area. Smooth move. Um, but that, that wasn't as important to us. I do think it will be interesting for app developers who have to figure out how to best utilize that, that space. Um, so what I was excited about was 2000 nits peak outdoor brightness, yep. brighter, the better, um, I would love this on every device because I've been out in the bright sun and you're just squinting or holding your, you got to hold your, your hand up over your phone just to try to see it. So um, that's a hard one to show off online, like which one's brighter, but we'll, I'll give it an attempt. But uh, I'm excited about that. So again, your pictures outside, that that could be very helpful. Um, and then an always on display. That's a feature I never knew I would need, but maybe I'll love it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, on my watch, I do like the always on display. So yeah, again, I, I don't know. I didn't know I needed it until I had it, or I didn't know I would find it very useful. Mm -hmm. um, and then interesting 16 billion transistors. That's a, that's a number. I have no idea what that means, except for just faster. Just <laughs> as I said, incredibly, you can fit 16 billion of anything in your yeah. pocket. Yeah. So, uh, and then four nanometer, which I, you know, I'm pretty sure the analyst on this uh, on this live stream, if he's still here, would know exactly what that means. Usually, it means again 
better thermal performance because it's not as hot. Uh, it's also like just less distance to move yeah, bits of data. The, 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 you know, there's electrons, you know, on the chip, you know, so you can get, you know, reduced power consumption. Um, yeah. You know, or, or faster performance because your chip then is smaller and you have, you know, smaller distance to go. Yeah. So you're seeing the performance again, no scale, but here we are um, of CPU performance just helps power all the computational uh, things it's doing. They didn't show off any like games or anything in the past. You know, they'd show like an AR game or something, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like that. And have we reached peak games? Uh, but again, there's all these little parts. You have two performance cores, four high efficiency cores. So those are, for, you know, like the nice thing about the efficiency cores, you're able to get much more time on your phone yep. because it doesn't need as much power. Um, fastest mobile CPU, 20% lower power. Again, just means longer or maybe not longer battery life, but you can do more mm-hmm. with the same battery life. Uh, and then here you go. Here's the main event. So a 48 megapixel main camera. That's what I was hoping for, and I got it. That and a better LiDAR, but guess what? The LiDAR, they didn't mention it, so I can, we, only, uh, we can only assume it's the exact same LiDAR. We will see. I will get. I will get the phone. I'm sure Jared will be getting the phone as well. We'll just send him one and he can take a look. But um, yeah, so what's a quad pixel sensor mean to you? Yeah, so the quad the quad pixel sensor um, so it's describing the way that uh, the pixels on that sensor are arranged. So typically in um, a camera sensor, you know, so if I've oh I've got a twelve megapixel camera, what that means is I've got a sensor that has twelve million pixels on it. You know, and so each of those pixels will contribute a, a piece of information to that final that final image. Mm-hmm. And so what Apple's saying here is, oh, hey, well, we've got this, you know, 4x improvement in resolution. So we're going from a 12 megapixel sensor to a 48 megapixel sensor. But by, by making it a quad pixel sensor, they're saying there's there's a way that four neighboring pixels, so two, a two by you know two by two grid of pixels, can all contribute to the same pixel value. So trying to you know sum up you know, four little pixels as if there were one big pixel. Um, and so they're using that to give them some flexibility, saying, well, hey, this can act like a 48 megapixel camera where each pixel is giving some information independently, or we can take, you know, a two by two grid of neighboring pixels, sum them all together, get that quad pixel, get a single value, in, and have this sensor act like it was just a single uh, 12 megapixel camera. Okay. And we're seeing this technique used in a lot of, of cameras coming out today even my dj dji mini 3 pro has a 48 megapixel quad pixel sensor i see it on the smartphones i mean some of these smartphones are what they're like 100 200 megapixels yeah. and that's a lot really you're not getting a you're not getting a 200 or a 40 you know you got these giant megapixel images you're really getting a smaller one but it's you it has 48 pixels to get computationally perhaps a better 12 megapixel output or um you know doing the averaging of pixels yeah. uh will that improve motion blur perhaps things like that when i'm trying to take sharp images for photogrammetry um it may not improve motion blur because with motion blur there if the camera's moving um you're still going to have that just blur across the 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 pixels um but where these extra pixels can help um you know, is especially like if you're in, you know, bright environments. So you've got plenty of light coming in. 
Um, you can then say, hey, each, each individual pixel, all 48 pixels could be used to capture that, to capture that light and give you information about that. So you could have that, you know, Apple talked about it like their, you know, their pro raw you know, mm -hmm. format that gives you all 48 pixels. Um, and so there, when, if you have sufficient light, you could get a higher resolution, a more, cr you know, clear, more crisp photo, yeah. more detail there. Um, that can also then be used for, you know, for your own post-processing, or I'm sure it's, it's got to help Apple's, you know, we talked about all the AI uh, and mm -hmm. image processing, you know, having that extra sensor data, having those extra pixels um, will help, will help there. Yeah. I also noticed that it says it's a larger quad pixel size, but that's the size of all four pixels, yeah, not, four or, pixels. or, or perhaps two, the two by two, like two across yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. The, um, so that's, that size is, is bigger. Uh, says Jared, it's hard to hear you. Maybe your oh, mic's turned down. I can, uh, I can turn myself up a little bit. Oh yeah. You sound louder. Okay. Well, Let us know if it's better. Yeah. I'll have to fix you in post then. Uh, all right. So then, uh, yeah, and then it says 24 millimeter focal length again. Uh, if you know anything about cameras, we all know what that means. Yep. Focal length. And so that's just, yeah, your field of view. Because so that's sort of controlling, you know, how, how wide of a view that camera has. Um, which 24 millimeters, it's pretty similar. I think the previous one was 26 or 28 or something in those range. So in your 20s, it's sort of a nice sort of wide, um, you know, 60 degree horizontal field of view um sort of you know image yeah okay and then um sell a seven element lens they say again that's like the isn't that like that that's all like the, how many layers of glass yep. things like that yep. in there so just everyone i would just say that all just means you know 100 focus pixels all those things are things that you probably don't even need to know about except for they just mean better images better data for computational photography second generation sensor shift ois <laughs> again that's <laughs> yeah. just like that's just branding so yep. Yep. <laughs> just but means they improved it that means they improved it which again we don't know how much it's been improved you know going from first and a second gen or yeah. what kind of improvement that means but at least it means you know to me it signals that hey apple is continuing to at least make some sort of advancements you know in that yeah. image processing or or in that sensor technology um, yeah which which is cool and um, you're seeing these photos I put on my screen that they showcased a couple of them that are not easy photos to capture um, with just old cameras. You could say an old iPhone probably couldn't capture these nearly as well, but um, they give you some things like the ISO, the F number, which are all pretty low. Like you don't want a high ISO. You, um, well, the F number is all about how much you want in focus, but you know, you can tell that they're getting good photos off of these. Yeah. Um, 64 ISO, so you're gonna have very low noise image. Yeah, these are like yeah, the that. lower that number, the the less noise there is in your photo. And again, yeah. that's but that's that's a sort of you know signal amplification. Um, yeah, just kind of a, a relative indicator of you know how much has that the, the that photon count been multiplied. Yeah. And if if anyone um if anyone's in a nurse, <laughs> which I think maybe a couple of my followers are, uh, I do know just based off of what I've learn from the researchers sharing their notes that um you want as less sensor noise as possible least amount of sensor noise as possible and i'm sure that works for, that's for photogrammetry that's for anytime you want clear images that noise is just it's just fake noise it's fake data it's fake data in there that can um, 
cause issues for getting a clean reconstruction of a scene in 3D. So, and again here, Pro Raw at 48. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, like yeah, lower noise is always better, you know, and also going back to that, um, like that raw data, though, that's, you know, we, we were talking before about their, you know, whatever it was, photonic engine or something. Mm-hmm. Um, just reminded me, you, just, you can mention nerfs, you know, with with uh, raw nerf, one of the recent papers at, at uh, CVPR um, this year talking about, well, hey, as opposed to doing, you know, the training the nerf on these already processed you know, images, you know, that have already been JPEG compressed or, or whatever, but going back to that raw data using the, the bear pattern. So like the, you know, individual green, red, blue uh, values from that sensor uh, and, you know, and feeding that into the, the nerf training. Uh, and there's benefits there again. So, you know, having end to end control over that input uh, light to that input sensor data and then the final output, um, you're able to sort of, you know, learn that entire, that entire yeah. mapping. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, better camera, less noise, better clarity, more details. Yep. Yep. I mean, how much better? We we'll have to have one to see. We'll have to have one to see. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to uh, see. And 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 to and to note because I mean, Apple didn't say this explicitly, but at least in the diagrams they were showing in their presentation and the way they're describing this this quad pixel sensor that you know that 48 megapixels um what what that signals to me you know is this this is not going to be as good as a normal 48 megapixel camera so if you went and got a nice high-end dslr that has 48 megapixels um the arrangement of pixels on that DSLR sensor is going to be different than what Apple's using here. So because they're using this quad pixel design where they're saying, hey, I can have, you know, four pixels act as one, um, what's happening is each of those pixels are only picking up a certain kind of light. So when, on, on your sensor, you know, you have pixels and each pixel can only, at least the way we've designed them uh, currently, is each pixel will pick up either green, red, or blue light. And so what you do is you just sort of alternate those colors across the sensor. And so you'll have like two green pixels and one red and one blue, and that will sort of make up this little mm-hmm. two by two pattern that then you repeat over the entire sensor. But it looks like what Apple's done here, uh, as well as other camera manufacturers, camera manufacturers have done this too, you know, is we'll have four green pixels next to each other, then four blue, four red, and then another four green. You know, and so you you have um, just sort of this duplication of of, of uh, sensors right next to each other, and so while that gives you, yes, it gives you a forty eight million uh, pixels on your sensor, you're not able to distinguish like, oh, I have two green pixels, you know, two green sensors right next to each other. I can't actually distinguish, oh, is it green and then red? But it's like all I can sense is green. And so the amount of um, color, like amount of detail you'll be able to see in terms of color difference, you know, won't really change because I'm not, I don't have a greater variety of color sensors on there or a greater density of different color sensors. Um, but your, you know, sort of illumination change, like the relative intensity you'd be able to pick up with those, with those different things. So you do get increased quality over just a plain uh, 12 megapixel sensor because you do have some extra detail in there, but it's not as good as a, you know, an actual like real 48 megapixel camera, you know, where each pixel is its, you know, alternating pattern. So it's somewhere in between. So there's benefits, but I see it, it's just a way to provide greater flexibility um, in the generation of that photo because there is more data there. Okay. That makes sense. So if you go spend $5,000 on the latest Canon, Sony, Nikon, you know, mirrorless I mean, yeah. camera with 48 megapixels on there, 
it's always going to be superior. They also just have a larger sensor. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you have a larger <laughs> sensor, you have a bigger lens. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of different ways that that image is going to be, you know, better yeah. or different, but at least as yeah. terms in the sensor design, thinking about, uh, as I mentioned, like the, the bear pattern, you know, the way mm -hmm. that they arrange that red, green, and blue uh, sensor elements on, on the sensor itself. Yeah. Um, there's pros and cons for the, the ways you can do yeah. that. And, and I know, I do know there's diminishing returns. So just chasing yeah. Better and better cameras won't yield necessarily equivalent results and 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 better output. So yeah, uh, yeah. Say match the camera to the job that you need to you know you're you're doing. So don't spend don't spend five grand plus a lens on a high end camera if you're just doing this as a hobby unless you just have that money to want to spend. So <laughs> yeah, um, and then so the ultra wide camera, you know, again. That also got improved, it looks like. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but uh, they did have a really cool picture of this uh, caddy did, as they called it. it looks like grasshopper. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I do love the macro photography. Jared, you don't use an iPhone from day to day. The one thing that drives me absolutely nuts is that your phone will decide when to switch into macro mode. And a lot of times, it's not when you expect it to. And so... <laughs> uh, it is kind of maddening. You can now you can you can tell to turn it off, but mm -hmm. um, it is just sometimes it's like one of the one thing they got off on the camera. It feels like to me is when they turn the macro mode on by itself. Mm -hmm. um, so there's kind of like the the wrap up. Of, I think they improved the front facing camera on the both models as well, or perhaps the yeah. last the 14. That's something I don't really use much except for FaceTiming and. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so peak outdoor bright. I, it's interesting to these nits. It's peak HDR brightness and peak outdoor brightness for the screens. That was that was good. Um, someone asked, um, Ryan, you asked, is the lidar sensor the same as previous generation? We can only assume because they didn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, and they tend to talk about what they improve around the camera cluster there. So. Um, Let's just assume they did. And they did add crash detection. And so it looks like they improved the the the, the accelerometer on this and all those little sensors. I'll be excited if that makes a difference for AR kit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although we all know that AR kit tracking of scenes is already really good. So yeah. Um, yeah. And I think this is interesting. Pro camera with four zoom options. So right now I have 0.5, 1, and 3 on my iPhone. 13 pro so i'll actually have the two and then they were also talking about that like with the raw the raw imagery you're able to get like 12 megapixel images out of a 48 megapixel shot and kind of like zoom in on things so i think there's some flexibility there so we'll see how that i mean i don't know if it's something i'll really use but maybe a photographer would or a filmmaker um so yeah, it just makes it easier to compose your shot i know a lot of times if i'm taking photos it's nice to sort of already see you know, okay, I can always crop and post, but sometimes it's nice to frame the shot. Like if I know I want to already crop it in, you know, having that cropping pre-applied, then you can just compose your shot. But yeah, it's just, yeah. as I said, like that, that's one of the nice things with that 48 megapixel sensor is it gives Apple that flexibility. So they can, you know, crop that 48 megapixel sensor to give you that mm -hmm. 2X mode. Um, I mean, yes, you're using a reduced number of pixels, but um, it can help you frame that shot and, and yeah. enables that feature without, without having to, you know, overly overly uh, reduce the quality of your image yeah all right well i think that pretty much wraps up everything i saw i was excited to see is there anything you wanted to add um i guess i'd ask you would you get black 
which which color are we going to order and send you? Black one, silver, black. gold. Yeah. I always, you know, I've gone with black. I think what do I have this year? Oh yeah, black. And I went with the the Pacific blue when that came out, just because I thought I'd try something different and then wish I had black again. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, I will be getting for sure this camera phone, <laughs> this smartphone, and putting it through its paces. And uh, we will get one for Jared, I'm sure, because uh, he needs to be able to make sure it'll work for our 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 every point API, but which uh, we have no doubts, but still good to have calibrations on that and use it for testing. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining in on this. Um, thanks for everyone who who added some some comments or questions. I know these phones is they're like this point they're just chasing already what's pretty close to, to perfection when it comes to cameras i mean it's it's it, early on it was like huge jumps in megapixels and clarity but now it's now it's just like who's got a better ai <laughs> um and then it's which style of ai do you like better but um i'll be excited to see if there's any ar kit improvements also we have air ios 16 coming out on these so um that a whole slew of air kit improvements as well that we talked about in our very first episode um, says, Oh yeah, I can't. So when I said, I can't wait to get one for photogrammetry. Um, yeah, that will be interesting. I, I have, I've had every iPhone. Well, this year I had every iPhone from the six S up and they were all great for photogrammetry. So to think that you need this one, it's not going to make a huge difference, but if you're trying to like perhaps get that edge, you want to get better textures on a 3D model, this might be very intriguing. Also, again, the stabilization. I That's what I'm really excited about. Will yeah. I be able to get a cleaner video output? Because Jared and I like to do photogra photogrammetry from video because it's fast. And if you have three little kids running around with you, you know you only have five seconds to get that, <laughs> that scan of a statue using video. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, thanks a lot. And again, we're going to post this show. You can always watch it after the fact on uh, YouTube on the Every Point channel. It's automatically be on here. Um, I'll add some chapter notes. so You can jump into sections you might like to watch. But if you already listened to it on a podcast, then again, you can jump on it and watch the video version um, and see what we were talking about. Um, I'm also going to... Um, make sure that this is on a uh, podcast on all major podcasts by tomorrow morning. So thanks everyone for joining. Thanks Jared for jumping on and excited. This is our first live show. We'll have to do more of these live as well because I always like people's comments and hear what I have to say. Um, I guess we have one more question before I turn this off. Hoping image stacking result in better stills for textures. I, I guess it's not a question. So hoping, but um, yeah, we kind of talked about that. Well, Jared talked about that image stacking for sure how they're doing the image stacking. Um, but again, I think we'll be splitting hairs on, on improvements for most people's results because as we talked about computer vision in the wild, yeah, it might look better in certain situations, but uh, there's a lot, you know, they're showing these beautiful photos on, on the keynote and that's because they had perfect lighting. They had it on a gimbal. They had all these different things. Most people are just holding the camera, taking photos, and it will improve it. But mm -hmm. um, you might not see the improvements you see that you see on these examples unless you're you're going to those extremes, super bright lights, things like that. But uh, yeah. 
Yeah. They, they have made them pretty um, user-proof, though, to get fairly decent photos just standing there taking taking an image in, in any daylight situation. Yep. So. Yep. All right. But yeah, it's, it is exciting just thinking about, I mean, well, you know, we started out talking about... Um, you know, the importance of AI, you know, and, you know, all, all of the software-based processing that goes into this, but it's, it's the hardware that sort of lays the foundation, you know, the, the better hardware, you know, will give, like you said, like with that stabilization, you know, if, if your video is blurry due to motion blur, you know, there's this, you know, yes, I could say, oh, there's certain software that could try to remove, but it gets to a point where it's like, well, no amount of software is going to be able to recover that blurry video, you know, and so having that night, you know, having that hardware to provide the foundation, you know, gives you that then, um, Give you that space on which then, okay, now that I've got the data in, now it's up to the software to do the rest. And so like you just mentioned, Jonathan, yeah, like hand in hand with this hardware release was iOS 16, you know, so be coming out with it as well, you know, and so through software, then we might even see improvements to these things, you know, we don't know yet, well, how is ARKit going to perform, you know, is ARKit performance gonna be better, we'll have to wait and see, because that's all gonna be software, you know, which maybe that's gonna let, you know, leverage, um, you know, some better stabilization, you know, in the camera or leverage some of the different, you know, characteristics of the new sensors, um, things like that. And so, yeah, it's just going to be, you know, it goes hand in hand. The hardware lays that foundation, but then the software can always improve uh, and build on top of it. And as you said, a lot of it can be subjective about what's the quality of the image or, you know, what sort of, um, what are you optimizing for in that final result? Is it sharpness? Is it clarity? Is it dynamic range? Um, all of those things. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great package. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Again, you're on, uh, you're on YouTube, leave a comment. Anything you liked in here? Share it. If you're uh, on podcasts, share the podcast, subscribe. Uh, definitely helps us know that we're on the right track. Your guys' uh, feedback is helpful for us to know what people like to hear about. And we'll, guys, we'll see you in the next episode, probably in the next week or two. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Jared. Thanks.